You're listening to Latchkey Kids on the Channel 3900 Podcast Network. Here's your hosts Amy Poppinger and Sam Mulberry. Welcome to the Latchkey Kids. I am Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by Amy Poppinga. Amy, we are back. There's been a little bit of a there break. There has. First podcast of the new year. Yeah, a little bit we, late here. We are back for a very specific reason, though. This yeah. is a this is a special, I was gonna say a special time of year, but it's not even a special time no. of year. It's a special time of every four years. Yes. Uh, what's going on right now, Amy? Right now we are in the um, midst of the first week of the 2022. Winter Olympics taking place in Beijing, China. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how how much of an Olympics person are you? Well, are we talking like today or are we talking of yesteryear? Over, over the course of your life, oh, if we were thinking about that, are you? you know, I'm going to put myself at an 8 because I feel like I need to respect whatever it means to be a 10. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not that, but... um. I I do really like I would say I love the Olympics. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't say oh, I'm kind of indifferent. No. Like I really do love the Olympics. It's my personality. Part of it's the historian in me. Right. I don't know. The geographer the, the, in the you. geographer in me. Um I I because I feel like from a broadcasting perspective, equally as a actual like, you know, real live international competition perspective. Nothing quite like it. Yeah. Nothing quite like it, right? So when did you first become aware that the – and we'll speak – we're going to talk Winter Olympics. Yeah. Later. We'll speak broadly here. When do you remember first being aware that the Olympics existed? Yeah. I mean, I think probably from the – probably like Olympics in, the, in 1982 when I was five or six because I think – What would have been 84? 84. Yeah. No, 80. Yeah, 84 then. So my parents – um. My parents both like because I think everybody watched the Olympics. So definitely winter and summer um, for two weeks. That's what was on in the evenings. I mean, that's what was taking over prime time. I think it was always NBC um, has like basically think always so, yeah. held the um, the rights to the Olympics. And we got to stay up a little bit later. Um, and so, you know, you kind of learned. I mean, I don't know how much at age. What what, what was I? So six-ish, seven-ish. Yeah, seven. Seven going on eight. How much of um, I understood why certain events take place and the timing that they do, you know, like the, um, you know, primetime types mm-hmm. of events. But um, I, I remember early on because we would talk about it in school because, again, which you just mentioned this, you know, for me as somebody that teaches geography, like we would always sort of spotlight where are the Olympics taking place, <laughs> you know, and then look at the countries and look at the competitors and things like that. So my memories, I'm sure they're they're squishy, but my memories of the Olympics go way back to being quite young when I still had to be told like, nope, it's time for bed now. And, you know. So very young. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, I mean, we're roughly the same age. I think I might yes. be a year-ish older than yep. you. Uh, but 1984 is the sort of watershed yep. of becoming aware of the Olympics, which means we missed like the 1980 miracle on ice. We, yes. were, we were alive, but not aware right. that that no. was happening. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. But so 84 Winter Olympics was in Sarajevo. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember learning the name Sarajevo. Sarajevo. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's a cool pretty. name. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know where Yugoslavia was. Yep. And Yugoslavia is 
is no more. But but like um, I remember that I I have sort of vagueish memories beyond the name Sarajevo from '84. I remember the Summer Olympics born '84. I had yeah. this distinct memory. It must have been '85 in my. Uh, elementary school gym, there was a poster of Carl Lewis oh. holding his four Olympic golds from the 84 oh, wow. Olympics. And that, so he's probably the first Olympian I remember. But I remember, I do remember, as you were saying, kind of the event of the Olympics. I remember it feeling like the opening ceremonies was was it was always a big deal because that's like this it's 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 the host nation showing yes. off, and then it's the festival of nations. And then marching it's the in. festival of nations. It's everybody marching in. Um, it's recognizing athletes. You know, it's like being like. I mean, it's just funny when you say Carlos because now all these names are coming. I'm like, oh, you know, Jackie Joyner, Kersey, um, Florence Johnson, Flojo, as we, you know, as she was called, recognizing them as they were, you know, all coming in in their same matching. Mm-hmm. matching wind suits <laughs> um and just the the specialness of that so i i like i remember that friday night was like opening ceremony was always friday night mm-hmm. um and i remember that that was a must see type of event mm-hmm. we so, just don't have that anymore i mean we've talked about this a little bit but right so so i imagine i imagine then 88 Calgary 88 yep. if we're talking re- winter olympics I have that's strong the big memories of, so so let's of let's Calgary. talk calgary 88 um uh do you do you remember specifically? Uh, okay, maybe think about it this way. What are the first things that jump out at you when you think of Calgary? Oh, for sure, figure skating. Um, it may and- be the apex of. I mean, it, it, and this is saying a lot because in uh, in ninety two we had the Nancy Kerrigan, um, Tanya, um, Tanya Harding. Harding. But I actually think eighty eight may be the apex of like hype and build up to both figure skating. Yes. Events. Oh no, for sure, hundred percent. And it's interesting because I remember, even though I lived in New Mexico, Calgary felt close. It oh, was sure. like oh, it's kind of west, it's right? It's right there, you know, and um at least from a time zone perspective, <laughs> you know, it was easier to feel like the Olympics was closer in terms of um you know, some of the events you actually were getting to watch fully live, right. you know, not right. on not on any kind of a delay. Um I just remember that the Calgary, I mean, I can I can very clearly remember like the ice at the Calgary Olympics. Um I have the strongest memories of Calgary and then for whatever reason um the other one like um Summer Olympics, I mean we're going to Summer a little bit, but like Summer Olympics in Athens, Winter Olympics in Torino, Winter Olympics in Nagano. It's like I can, you know, I mean, I remember sitting down actually with I think my brother Two the people ago, in Albertville, we like, France, are weeping that I you didn't know, mention them. I know, Lilla or Lily Hammer, Lily Hammer. But like, we could, we were like, can we sit down and can we remember? You know, can we go through Olympic cities? It's like our family does these two things on like road trips. It's like, okay, my brother and I like to go through Olympic cities and the years, and then my kids and I challenge each other to like, mom, can you go through every NFL team? You know, can you go through every MLB team? And I always kind of in my brain, right, start up and geographically and move over. So and with the Olympics, I have to go by the years. I have to go, okay, you know, 84, 88, you know. Um, So but uh, I just that Calgary, though, those Calgary games. I mean, I feel like that's where in some respects America was like, oh, we can do winner too. Mm hmm. You know, mm-hmm. now if you're going to ask me like, well, who won what? I'll be honest, I don't even remember. I just remember that at that age, then by the time we get to 88, and I'm a, I would have been 11. Um, 
now I'm in charge. I'm, I'm a little bit more in charge of my own, you know, like, like I like this for me. I'm not watching this because my parents are watching it. It's like I got to be 7 p.m. every night right here. And if I'm really lucky, um, my mom may or may not let me stay up to watch Bob Costas's recap that happens after your nightly news. Right. And I, <laughs> I think, was like the best. <laughs> I think the thing you pointed out, which is correct, is that because it was in Calgary time zone wise. Yeah. Ba- like like this. That that was a that was a key, key moment. Um, and I think it's I remember the build up to that Olympics, especially. Uh, well, let's just talk women's figure skating. Yep. I mean, this is the the. The showdown between the two Carmens. This is when I learned that what Carmen was, right? Mm. Um, because both Katarina Vitt and Debbie Thomas were skating to the same song. And I don't remember, did Vitt win in 84? Yes. Or was, okay, so she was the defending. She was champ. the defending. She was really considered to be the world the world's greatest female figure skater, for sure. Katarina Vitt was. And I think she still probably remembers. I was gonna say she's still pretty high on that ranks, I think. No, no, for sure. And I think Katarina Vitt was interesting because, okay, to some extent, we can always make an enemy out of like Russia. Um, at that point, we had a, a a wary relationship. I think even still somewhat with you know like with Germany I mean, because this is still when we had like East and West. I was going to say yeah, you don't you don't just is, say Germany. No, it's no, East Germany, which is so fascinating to me. But um, I think Katarina Vitt was actually one of the first, at least for me, athletes where you're like, it doesn't matter to me that she's not American. Mm-hmm. I got to like her. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like how it kind of transcends today. There's so much of that. But I feel like we were much more, you know, country based and who we were rooting for or who our champions were. And you, you couldn't not like Katarina Vitt because you had to appreciate what a beautiful, what an artistic as well as athletic competitor Right, right, was. and 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 so the American facing her was Debbie Thomas. And mm-hmm. I, I, again, I remember the big build up to this, and I distinctly remember this is the first time when I started to like not understand. I, I clearly didn't scoring. understand the, the squall <laughs> exactly the scoring and and the rules because I remember. I mean, these were the two people competing for gold, and Debbie Thomas fell. Yep. And I remember being like, I didn't get why she could still get a bronze medal because I watched all these other people skate. I didn't get no right. What, you didn't get short program, long program. Well, and right? more and more like degree of difficulty. Yes, that it's mm-hmm. like I didn't realize because I couldn't tell a double from a triple. Right. So it's like they probably weren't doing triples then. Whatever. Like like I I I just remember thinking she fell and somehow she still got the bronze. And I remember feeling cheated. I felt like. This is fixed. There are people oh, who, didn't who didn't fall, fall right. who didn't get a medal. And and again, I'm I am now as an adult, I look back and think, oh, I bet she had a much more difficult program, and she probably hit a bunch of other jumps, right? That you know earned her the bronze. But I just I like I like how cleanly did she hit her yes. landings on the jumps she did complete? Yes. Um, it's in last night. I was watching figure skating. I also men's figure skating was last night for the current Olympics. Um, team team skating where there's different like you know there's individual men's individual women's um pairs and then and then pairs for ice dancing mm-hmm. um which is boring but um anyway like now this is the first time i had seen this now in the upper left hand corner of the screen as you watch them compete they actually you see the level of difficulty 
mount. Like mm-hmm. you start to see their score for what's possible. Uh, the score as related to just like, here's what they could score. Like here's how they're moving up. And at first I was like, oh, I don't like that. But then what I do like about it is it at least does help you understand. Exactly. To your point, like, oh, okay. They did, like you said, they did a double, double axle. They landed it cleanly. Oop, look, their, you know, their their score just went up. That would have been helpful back in the day because I agree with you. It, it, it felt like, well, somebody fell. Yep. They should just take them right off the ice. Right, right. <laughs> like, and, drag them away and shake. And I have to this day an aversion to judged events because not an aversion. Oh, like but I have, subjecti- I have, subjectively yes, I have judged. a preference yeah. for timed things sure, where it's sure. like who did this the fastest. fastest. Where it's right. like, well, if there's judging because because there was this sense that like we were told these were the best two and we're giving medals to these two. And yes. So I, it was as an 11 year old, I felt like. I don't know about this whole system. Now, what I did love back then, and they still do this a little bit, but they've definitely, it's definitely a lot more um, mathematical now. But I loved when you just got like the different countries' judges and they would appear. Yes. You know, like here's what the Russian Russians, judge yep. gave. And, and it felt like there was all this like uh, geopolitical cloak yes. and dagger stuff going well, on. And it turns out there was. was. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, no, absolutely. And, um, it is it is interesting because with figure skating, it is at the end of the day, there's this level of sub- subjectivity to it. Like, how pretty did you do it? And so what's do you my- prefer do you prefer the idea that there are judges judging the subjectivity of this or do you prefer that really does feel a lot more mathematical now as you sit and watch it? How do you feel? Um, I think it's an, it's it's not as if I have this this uh, keenly trained eye, but it is fun to if you listen to the um, the commentary um, and actually figure skate. I mean, Scott Hamilton is like just to me defines America like I'm not going to have receive last rights at the point of my death. But if anyone's listening, get Scott Hamilton there to do it. Um, but like um, and Dick is it? I'm trying to think of what his last name is. I'll have to look it up. But like. I don't know how they're still alive because my whole life has been dominated by them off- offering um, commentary. But I like the commentary because I feel like what I learned was who is really, again, artistic? Who's a power skater? Like who is just like a- an amazing athlete out there? So, for example, there was a French skater, Surya Bonali. Um, and she was a power skater. Like she was super powerful. She looked like an athlete out there on the ice. By contrast, um, somebody like, um, I mean, this is later, but Michelle Kwan, um, Nancy Kerrigan falls into this category. They look like ballet dancers mm-hmm. out there, right? And so it's like, a, and Katarina Vitt is actually a combination of right. both, which is what I think made her um, so great. So I do think that this sport... It, it, like one of the things that keeps the sport, you know, it, with the integrity of the history of the sport is judging based on the artistic performance mm-hmm. of how pretty does that mm-hmm. look? You know, and I'm pretty is not the right word, but and there, I, I actually think there's something to be said about that. It is not just a um, it's not just an achievement. It truly is a performance and performance encompasses more than the technical exactly. component of it. And unfortunately, I mean, well, well. I don't think it is unfortunate. I think we actually still want that in life. Like we want to say we as humans can appreciate something. It's hard to put like metrics to it, but that's just that's mm-hmm. part of it. You know, that yeah, is part absolutely. of it. And and I and I'm not somebody. Even though I said I'm, you know, I yeah. Have, you just want it to be as fast as hell. yeah. Well, no. <laughs> even though I said that, like I actually don't want to change figure skating. I right. I'm more like you know what. 
that's just great about the Olympics is I can always go watch speed skating. And it's like, you guys well, can, right, you know, like, right. I don't want to take that away from anybody. I don't need to turn that into. Now, what I do love is what you were describing, like, with the idea of, like, a power skater or something. Mm-hmm. I love when an announcer will describe something and then you see it and you're like, oh, what they said, I now see this in yes. this person. I, yes. I really, I really love that. Yes. And this is the the 80s or the era of who I think is um, – probably probably history's greatest certainly greatest male figure skater um from the Soviet Union at the time <laughs> you know and that is um Viktor Pachenko first of all it's like a really great name to say also like there is like for men there is a particular stunt called the Pachenko because like Viktor Pachenko is who started it and is the only one that could do it and like when you watch Viktor Pachenko skate again Katarina Vit like like in that it is power as well as artistry. Um, I mean, the guy is, and someone can call it, I mean, the guy's like 6'6". Six, six. I mean, he is a tall person. And what he was able to do with his body, so to your point, like the speed he brought, the power that he brought, but then still like the artistry mm-hmm. that he brought, um, you just like, again, you like had to appreciate it. And I remember as a kid being like, Everything in my world has trained me to detest everything that is the Soviet Union, but you can't. So all you could do was go to bed at night and pray that Victor would defect. (laughs) Join join the good guys, right? Join the good guys. You know, but it was. It was just because I never, I certainly never got to see Victor Pachenko you know, like on a regular basis. I mean, it was like these people showed up, even though obviously this is what they're doing right. every day of their life. And there was the worlds and there's the, you know, there's all these different competitions, but like you're reminded of who they are and you're welcoming them back into your world every four years. And there's something so special about that. And I even remember at the, again, Calgary 88 Olympics, my brother and I, my brother is two years older than me, not quite, but talking about Oh my gosh, just think of how different our lives will look by the time the Olympics comes yes. around again. Yes. We would always kind of measure it that way. Mm-hmm. Like I still do. Like when my kids were young and they experienced or they, you know, had their first Olympics, I thought, oh my gosh, by the time, you know, this comes around again. Exactly. We can count our life by the number of, of Olympics, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, well, you'll experience pretty much four Olympics in your at in your kind of, you know, in your in your family, and then you're gonna be you're gonna be an adult. Yeah. You're off on your own. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah, four is kind of perfect in that way. It is. No, way. it totally, it totally is. Do you? I mean, do you have memories of, um, you know, like was your family into the Olympics? Yes. Okay, hard, yeah. hardcore. Um, so, so it was, it was like life stopped. And like, yes, you know, if normally you sat around the table and ate, it's like, well, during the Olympics, we need to have sit in front of the, the TV. TV and eat because like there's yeah. Olympics going on and you only get it every four years. So and if you if you miss something, it's like, yes. well, four years from now, you get to see that again. So so I remember that that just being a, a really mm-hmm. big thing. Um, and we insta- we have that in our house. So like we have a. I think I've talked about this before. We have a projector that we set up. Sometimes we watch movies for the Olympics. It's just up for two weeks. And because, because when you're watching TV, when you're watching the Olympics, like you want a 10 foot wide screen. Yes. So it's just up in our, like our house is now set up to watch Olympics. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I just, um, again, like, I remember that then, then it, I mean, it, then we would have been into the 90s because then at that age, I was allowed to stay up as late as I wanted. But it was like, 
being allowed to see the recap at the mm-hmm. end of the day, um, at the end of the night, because you know you only kind of got to see really what was in prime time until then cable became more normal and it was right. like oh you could kind of catch curling or ice dancing. And that probably the day. doesn't start till ninety four. No, I don't think I so. Think, so yeah. you really only kind of got to see what was in prime time and then during the commercials of prime time or like during a break because like there's always six minutes between each figure skater comp like like mm-hmm. figure skater skates and then there's six minutes in between and so then they would you know be like let's go over to biathlon let's go to you know like um let's do let's take a look at uh some of the skiing events and so and then also obviously the the um sort of the little personal documentaries i loved those like absolutely loved those and i know some people don't like them i loved them and again the imperative to be in front of the TV because it's not like you could go Google it later. It's not like I could go watch it when I wanted. It was like, it's now or never. Yeah. There was such a um, urgency to to watching and being right there. Well, I'm going to take a soft counterpoint okay. to, to, oh, the, sure. to the little documentary. And, and oh, only soft, I know. I know. which is I think there was a moment, it might have been around 2000, when the scales tipped too far and then there was a reaction where they almost like got rid of them and now they're right. kind of it's about a balance like you want those things <laughs> but it's like i don't want that at the exclusion of seeing seeing the events I, so, I, so I, yeah okay. i feel like in our childhood they did it well they did do but it then, well but then there were people like oh i really love the like triumph of the human spirit story so then all of a sudden you're you know your four hour block of watching became like 60% that it almost felt like at its at the peak and you're like no 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 I want to watch the games but I want you to s- s- tell me these stories too and, yeah. and so I think it is about striking It is balance. about a balance. I would just like to argue in general that the 80s there were a lot sure we we've talked about and we will continue to talk about the examples of excess but I want to talk about when it comes to programming it was really the area the era of balance because, because there were limitations there were limitations and limitations are good um i am not a person who i don't have the hallmark channel i know you and i have chatted before about like you know like hallmark movies at mm-hmm. christmas time all of this all of that like i don't care about having the hallmark channel but i actually would like the channel that is just all of the triumph of the human spirit stories sure. I would love that. And 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 there isn't one. It's funny because the other night as I was actually trying to figure out how to even watch the Olympics, which was its own weird challenge at my home with whatever setup we've got. And I've turned into an old woman because I was like, why don't you kids come help me find the Olympics? <laughs> but even once I found the Olympics, it was like, here's the 19 things you can choose from to actually watch right mm-hmm. now. And I was just like, this is this is nonsense. Well, and this part, is of, part of what's come with all of that choice is now you can watch anything, but they do strip those things out. Then. Right. So like, I can watch. So I, don't I can watch that. a full day of curling now exactly if I wanted to, right. which is great if you want to watch curling. And sometimes right. I do. But but I there was something about in the eighties. There was one channel. It was a four hour block of time, yep. and they programmed every second. Of Absolutely. It. And then it was we just watched this little story. Now we're ready to go back. It's exciting to go back. I mean, I just it was it was totally ruined. And it was weird. But I even did think to myself on Sunday night. Um, as I was just, my son wanted to watch curling. We watched it for a while, but then it was figure. We, we switched over to figure skating, but then during every six minute interval, we would switch to something else. But then every time you switched to something else, you had to watch a 90 second commercial, You're right. which drove me crazy every single time. Um, and I thought like, this does kind of ruin it. Like I am not enjoying this as much as if I am just 
watching the programming that has been set for me. Here's what it is, is it feels more like now I'm attending the Olympics instead of the Olympics is this beautiful package that's presented Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. I want know? the package. I want yeah. the all-inclusive package. I don't want to be buying things a la carte. It's just like yeah. I don't I don't enjoy it. But um, I also remember that to your point, we would – everything kind of stopped – we ate simpler meals, got to get done with it. You get the homework done, you know, by seven o'clock. Again, I think because you couldn't pick and choose, it gave me an appreciation for different types mm-hmm. of sports. I remember my brother and I talking about like, is there any hope for us? Like we're, is there anything we could still try to pick up as a sport? And we were like two man luge. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're going to, you it know, sure in New seems Mexico. like the athlete is ballast. In it, that, yes. Right? right. Yes. And so um, what a, what a ridiculous idea that never came to any fruition. But, um, and again, living in New Mexico, not the not the brightest choice for what to choose. But I mean, I just or I remember, you know, I'm not sure what year skeleton was introduced. But it's like, yeah, I don't remember even more dangerous. Yeah, somehow somehow makes luge look safe. Um, But I I remember Calgary was the first Olympics where, um, you know, I was obsessed with seeing a, a map of where all of the mm-hmm. Olympic events were. And so it's like, how far outside of Calgary do they go for the where where is the skiing? What does the map of the Alpine course look like? I just was I enjoy getting into minutiae when it comes to things that I happen to be focused on at the moment. And it, it felt like with the Olympics there was no end to what I could try to research or try to find or try to do to create a better visual picture for myself of everything. You know, um, I remember all the extra McDonald's commercials because McDonald's always was like the main sponsor of what the athletes are eating in the Olympic Village. And then it was all of the commercials of athletes eating in, you know, Olympic Village. There were special commercials. You know, there were all like Visa always had, as I'm sure they still do, but these great, you know, usually featured a kid. You know, probably you could relate to it, right? Mm-hmm. It was a kid who was making who was making a luge track in their backyard, and then it would, you know, sort of fast forward to their future Olympic greatness. And I just kind of bought all of that hook, line, and sinker. I think that um, I don't think our podcast needs to be about um, really bringing in like critical nuance sure. to our memories, right? Because this is what this is. But um, I remember being very proud of being American, and um, I really felt that during the Olympics and it was a it was a good feeling. Well and I will say that's part of also especially the winter Olympics. Yeah. In the summer yeah. Olympics I remember because my first summer Olympics was eighty four, which the Soviets weren't at. So yes. it's like I like I could have won some of those events. Like it was <laughs> it was it was not great. But in when watching like the 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 Winter Olympics, I look at these events and it's like we actually like we don't win downhill skiing events we don't win yeah uh bobsled we don't win luge like there are there are places when i learned that the netherlands like national sport is long track speed skating it's like that is cool it's cool that there's people obsessed with this and like they're better at this than us so like you can be like this i hope this plucky american wins a bronze medal Right. Last last night I was watching, um, and I love that this still still to this day in some events. Last night I was watching women's biathlon. Oh, I know. And there was yeah. a woman who finished seventh, and she was in tears because she's the that's the highest American woman has ever placed yeah. in that. And it was like, yeah, I feel proud that we finished seventh. And it's like that's kind of cool because you don't in the in the summer Olympics. It's like your expectation is we should go in here and dominate. Now, part of this is also the the other thing I want to talk about, and you've hinted at this, like. 
We grew up in the waning years of Cold War yep. Olympics. So we are a little too young to remember the boycott at Olympics yes. 76 and 80, but we got 84 and 88 as the last throws of of yep. Cold War Olympics. The great rivalry. Like yeah. this is the place that we actually like so much of life is dominated by um, the fear and the threat of us going into competition with the, you know, or going into head to head. And here we do it. This is where we do it, though. <laughs> All these tensions get to come out on the ice. When it feels like you can work it out, like you, like the, you know, the Americans will play the Soviets in hockey, and it's yeah. like the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. And if you win or you lose, nobody died. That's right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I, I remember thinking that as a and kid. And it's, like it's this, sort yeah. of tinged with a respect, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so no. And That's... even even a kind of mystery, especially in something like hockey, oh, where, yeah. where it's like not only so so hockey is this sport that gets played in America, right? We have a professional league, um, but then there were these like Soviet hockey players, and it's not until the late '80s, early '90s that some of those Russian players start coming to the NHL. So it was like this mysterious group of superheroes that you came and had well, to face. Well, it was cool. And again, I'm going to say same thing as it relates to like figure skating because we would still have those triumph of the human spirit stories, and they would somehow do them about these athletes from other countries, including the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And you kind of got this window into their world. And I just remember how. I mean, it was basically a, a, a scene straight up from when Rocky is training in Rocky Four, because it's like it always it always looks like Siberia, mm-hmm. no matter where the person is from. Like there's got to be a warm place in Russia. There's always there's always just steam rising off of you know the the cold frozen ground. Like there's always a little dacha where the person was raised. It's so stereotypical, but it was like I just remember being like, "This is what it is to be a Russian athlete." Mm-hmm. Like this is. Is what it is. And maybe this is why they're going to defeat us. Exactly. Because it's like, I feel that the, the um, documentary is giving me an impression that if they do not perform, they will not get to go back. Right. <laughs> you know? So, or they will go back, but no one will ever hear from them ever again. And all of these, again, all these Eastern, you know, European countries that were a part of the Soviet Union that you never heard of or knew anything about. Until the Olympics, and you're like, where is Bulgaria? Where is Romania? You know, um, and just how I just love that. It was just such a special. And again, talking about it at school, I feel like we would always in the morning, our teachers would sort of, you know, we talk about like what was happening with the Olympics last night and little recaps and things like that. Yeah. And, and it's part of this is, is what it was like to view it through the eyes of a child because. I mean, it's interesting to think, like, obviously there was propaganda thrown at us that made us fear. I mean, I remember distinctly thinking that the Soviet Union was a big prison. Because because I remember that people couldn't leave. That's the only thing I knew as a really little kid. And I remember thinking, like, like when Big Bird went to to Russia or China, I remember thinking, well, what if they don't get to come Come back? Because, like... The other people can't leave. Why? Why can't Big Bird? Why can Big Bird go and come back? Um, so I, I like. So we were definitely sold that. Um, but then at the same time, we could watch those and have what felt like almost like friendly competition too, yeah. without being aware of the geopolitics. I look mm-hmm. at this Olympics, and every time I see Soviets or Soviets, wow, athletes from uh, what from we're calling the what is Russian the, Olympic Russian Committee, Olympic Committee, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, athletes from the Ukraine and I just think about that all the time and like yeah. it, it 
nothing about that seems amusing. No. You know, but as a kid, like, because I was a kid. Oh, because it was infused yeah. in our, it was infused yeah. in our entertainment. It was infused yeah. in our education. Yeah. Um, it was just part of our cultural concept. Right. To be in competition with the Soviet Union over everything. And to think that the main thing we had that they did not was freedom, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Oh, gosh. So as we're starting to wind this down, do you want to give any shout outs to any Olympic athletes you remember from your childhood that you particularly loved? Yeah, I mean, again, I um, I loved Viktor Pachenko. I feel like Viktor Pachenko is is what he he is the person through whom I learned to – challenge my preconceptions of saying I know again I was trained to think this way and at the same time I'm sitting here and I I feel a sense of empathy I feel a sense of appreciation what's going on with those particular feelings um and when I think of all the people I don't remember it's like well why do I remember Victor Pachinko because it just had such an impact on um you knew he was the best you knew he was the best so you couldn't you couldn't watch another American skater a skater and think um, well, they should have won. Like, no, no. Like, he is far and away the absolute um, best. Again, I want to give a shout out to Scott Hamilton, who I don't ever remember seeing perform because I'm too – he is, you know, like that was before mm-hmm. my viewing time. But he's always been there for me to, like, guide me. I want to say it's Dick Enberg. To guide me through um, learning about figure skating and – um I mean, I love Michelle Kwan. And again, this is nodding. This is a nod to later. But like Michelle Kwan was probably the first female athlete that I, you know, it was more of a content. I mean, I, she's still younger than me, but not that much younger. Right. So it was like you share a generation, you share a generation and you saw her perform, you know, um, again at multiple Olympics. And I mean, I remember what I would recognize her coach if he should like if you passed me on the street, probably. Right. Um, and that really helped me for actually learning about, um, immigrant families experiences and, and, and having more of an appreciation for that, that our, our Olympic team is a representation, um, of all of the different ethnic and cultural backgrounds that exist in our country. Um, and I just remember having a special, like, like, sure, Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding never felt any kind of personal affinity towards either of them. For me, it was like all about them, like Michelle Kwan being what came after and kind of cleaned up in a way what had sort of been tainted by in the story of American um, figure skating. Those are probably mine for like Winter Olympics. Um, I've never been a huge fan of saying, again, this is more recent, but like Bodie Miller. But of course, I'm going to think about Bodie Miller because, again, I think the guy competed in – at least three Olympics. I think so. I think, yeah, you know. I'm, okay, um, I'm glad you mentioned Bodie Miller because I want to shout out somebody yeah. from the '88 Olympics <gasps> oh. who isn't necessarily my favorite, but he is a standout person because he is somebody who uh, was a charismatic kind of bombastic person and that's alberto tomba oh remember? i remember alberto, alberto tomba yeah sure. i mean so so he made me realize what slalom and super g yep. was um he made super me super g is just insane he anyway. made me realize that italy had mountains because like you know what i totally get it because he's an italian skier yep. and i was like but isn't italy like hot and right, mediterranean right and and two like climates yes two vegetation and zones. he won yep. so he won two gold medals in 88 and i remember the feeling of for the next four years as we were moving towards uh, the 92 Olympics, thinking like, 
what's Tamba gonna do? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, 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 like that was like he was he was somebody who sold his event. So he's somebody I want to shout out. Uh, do you have any Alberto Tamba thoughts? I don't have any Alberto Tamba thoughts other than um, like I remember teaching students that um, Torino. Um, where eventually there would be a Winter Olympics. Actually, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, same latitude. Really? Same latitude as Torino. Um, and then my shout out, though, also, I, I mentioned her earlier, but Surya Bonali, who was this figure skater, only figure skater from France. Okay, I don't even think there was a male competitor from France. But um, Surya Bonali never, never really ever got higher than bronze. And br- let's just let's just establish bronze is amazing. So mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, you know, you're the third best in the world. But what I remember Surya Bonali for that I want to give her the shout out for is that she could do a backflip on skates. I remember this. It was illegal, right? You couldn't do that. It wasn't it wasn't something that you could do in competition. There was no level of it was it was illegal. But in her very last skate, and I, I think this was 90 to I, like, I don't think this was in. I can't remember. I'd have to go and look. But I just I actually remember, know. I know the story you're telling. Right. So, so do you want me to give the context for it? Yeah. What it was. So I don't know if they still do this. But what they used to do is after the Olympics, figure mm-hmm. skating was over. They did like a showcase, showcase performance. Mm-hmm. And she did it in that. Yep. Yep. So she would do the signature move of hers, which was to do a backflip in the showcase where they would they would wear, you know, kind of here's what I would wear. They would do rock music. They do rock music and they would, you know, not not they would do um, the the 80s interpretation of, um, you know, wearing a costume that looked a little bit more edgy Mm. or whatever the case may be. And but I just remember that in Surya Bonali's last Olympic performance in um, the uh, in the long program, she knew that she wasn't going to place. She had, I think, fallen or like she her scores were low, you know, and it was kind of like she probably was too old. Like she maybe should have. Well, I shouldn't say that. She you know the, the world would have told her, mm-hmm. you you know, you should have been done. And so she just decides, like, this is my last time out here. I'm just going to go ahead and kind of go off script. And I am going to do my signature backflip because like, who, who gives a crap? And I just remember thinking, watching that, Scott Hamilton commenting on it, and everybody was just like, good for you. You went out, you know, you went out That's like, what a with a show. Is. That's what a champion is. You were like, at the end of the day, this is about me. This is what I've worked for. I'm going to give the fans what they want. You know, so be it. I mean, I've never seen I've never seen anything like that. That's awesome. You know, and so that just to me is just such a like I will always remember having seen that live, you know, or at least whatever time I was watching it in prime time. And my last shout out is going to go to somebody from 92, but mostly the 94 Lillehammer Olympics. And that is Johan Olaf Koss. I remember Johan Olaf Koss. Who Mm. destroyed the 94 Olympics in long track speed skating. And it made me fall in love with that sport. And every four years I fall in love with it again because it's the most boring sport. But they're there. Well, I mean, it's it's boring in like a slow TV kind of way where it's like, yes, I agree. It's like, okay, I'm going to watch this person beautifully just skate around this oval right. for 1500 right. meters. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go throw in a load of laundry. Uh-huh. I'm going to go pop some uh, pizza rolls in the oven and come back and oh, look. But the cool <laughs> thing about that I love about it is it's one of the few Winter Olympic events that has world records because yes. it's, it's a specific distance, a specific time. And um and I loved I love that and I f- I fell in love with watching him in particular um do because he was a distance 
long and it's so meditative you Mm -hmm. know right like they have to get into what psychologists call flow Mm -hmm. and much like your guy pachinko he was super tall and you just see these huge arms like sweeping back and forth he looked like a different kind of animal yeah that was like built to do this and i i so i have over the course of my life i have winter olympians that are in my like pantheon and he was one of the first pantheon uh people that sort of won me over without anybody hyping him for me yeah so, oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, Amy, this was really fun. I've I enjoyed this very much. I didn't know what we were going to talk Me about. Either. I don't know if this is interesting to anybody but Me us. Either. But mm. we did it. And and uh, so it's it's great to be back with Latchkey Kids. We actually have a live show coming up yeah. next week. So actually this will this will air for people in 2 weeks. Um but we're doing a we're doing a live show. Uh that should be very very fun. So I will It'll be interesting. Yeah, I won't say what the topic is, but we're going to be talking about a specific piece of essential 1980s yes. technology. Well, Amy, thank you so much for talking about this. And in the immortal words of Billy Ocean, when the going gets tough. Oh, the tough get going. God bless America. Thanks for listening to Latchkey Kids. Email us at channel3900 at gmail.com and subscribe to the Channel 3900 Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.